Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Sam Amick coming up here momentarily. Of course, he writes for The Athletic and joins us on Thursdays right here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Gordon, Sam really has been on top of the NBA's return all the way through reporting uh, uh, a bunch of stuff. Yes, he and he's been optimistic about it. And it looks like it's going to happen, folks. I mean, this is going to happen. Uh, can you wait between now and uh, middle, late July? No, we want it now, Gordon, immediately. <laughs> well, get them down. Wait. Get them down to Orlando now. Let's start this thing next week. No? Yeah. You don't think well, so? Well, obviously the training camps would begin before that, and so people would be interested in how it's all coming together. I have not, uh, I have not seen uh, an updated list as of late. Uh, are all... NBA facilities now open to players are returning in some fashion. I believe last week it was down to six. We're still left closed. I'm not sure. I haven't seen an updated number, but yeah, you're, I, you're right. I this process has been uh, slow and probably will continue to be. All right. By the way, Jim, by the way, Joe Ingles said that he had been over at the practice facility here working on his game since last week. Interesting, because he, he was hesitant about that yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago. All right. It's time for your daily assist. Let's get to it. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Your daily assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability. From The Athletic, he's our friend Sam Amick. Hi, Sam. How are you? Good afternoon, guys. Doing just fine. How about you? Hey, we're doing great, especially excited because, uh, you know, it, it starts with a, a meeting with the Board of Governors tomorrow, but it looks like real progress to a plan is being made. Not for sure. I mean, at this point, I'd be pretty darn surprised if we didn't have playoffs. Um, certainly anticipating, you know, a, a, a late July type start. And those conversations are becoming more and more real. Yesterday, the Finance Advisory Committee uh, met with league officials. The day before that was the team presidents. Today was the GMs. Tomorrow is the Board of Governors. And, um, you know, we probably won't get a total, you know, total clarity by tomorrow, but but it does seem to be uh, like the wheels are in motion. And, and you're starting to get into the weeds in a good way right now in terms of some of the details being worked out. In fact, you know, everything from – you know, media access and what that might look like to uh, to just all the logistics. So it's starting to, to definitely feel pretty real. Sam, do you think it'll be postseason only, or do you think it'll be playoffs plus? What's your best guess there? Yeah, I mean, my handicap guys would be probably playoffs plus. I think uh, what I've been hearing is 
there's a lot of pessimism coming from the teams at the bottom of the league in terms of whether or not they'll be involved. And so I would at this point be surprised if it, you know, if it was all 30 teams, I'd be very surprised. And, and the playoffs plus thing seems to be the way it's going, you know, like 20 teams uh, and, and the 20 best records. So that would be 12 in the West and eight in the East. And, and you're basically letting, you know, the Kings, Pelicans, Spurs, and uh, moving somebody out there. I forget who the other team is, but um you know, the, those four teams in the West just out behind Memphis to fight for that spot. But uh, so if I had to guess, I think that's what it will be. Sam Amick is with us here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So what is the likelihood of of bringing everybody back to hit that 70-game marker for the regional TV, or are they not going to make that a priority, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't have clarity there. I'm, I'm, you know, again, just handicapped, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that. The one interesting thing I've learned about that is that while it is a priority, and I don't know if you guys agree or not, but, you know, for the longest time, the way that I understood it, that ultimately I, I learned that I was wrong, is that it was some sort of kind of magic threshold where you, 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 you reached a financial uh, kind of uh, – marker at the seven of the game mark and, and that really led to a lot more revenue and the way it was now described to me is it's 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 not a uh, a cliff it's a waterfall so to speak meaning that it, it's a per game basis if you get 65 regional games in then that's a whole lot better than 60 because you're getting paid on every single game um and you know if you get to 69 then you're, you're obviously just losing out on that one game so it's not as if you know, you don't get the lump sum if you don't get to 70. Um, you just, you know, you end up missing out on some money. I mean, I, I mentioned this on our podcast the other day, like the economics on the Lakers, who I believe have the, the best regional deal in the league. You know, they get about a million and a half dollars per regional game. So they're about $20 million short right now. Now, if, you know, so so they'll either stay at $20 million short, you know, or if they somehow find a way to, Working a couple exhibition games that they can, you know, that they can qualify as regional games, and maybe they they make another five million, you know, five and a half million uh, or six rather to, uh, to to kind of make that work. But it's not it's not a threshold that it's it's an all or nothing sort of mark to hit, if that makes sense. If memory serves, Sam, I think the Lakers have played the fewest games in the league, haven't they? Or am I uh, misremembering now? That's no, you probably. Yeah. Well, not only that, but I mean, their regional number is going to be down because of all the national TV games that they've had, and that's a problem that the higher-profile teams have. And even ironically, because the Warriors are so bad this season, uh, even though they're terrible, they've had a bunch of national games, and so the Warriors and Lakers, who both have really good RSN contracts, their numbers are going to be down because if you have more national games than the rest of the league, then that obviously a lot of times. Those games are, are only national, and you, and you miss out on the RSN numbers. So, like I, I think roughly the Warriors were, were coming in at like 60 regional games. They had about 10 or so to go to get there, and I think the Lakers are probably you know in, in a similar boat. Sam, do you think that the the the, uh, the the mini camps or training camps, wherever you want to call them, will they? Are you getting the impression that that will happen in place? Uh, in the hometowns of the teams, and then go to Florida, or do you? Will it be some other arrangement? I think it'll be both. It'll be uh, two weeks 
in market. Um, and then once you, you kind of, I mean, you can do the math on the timeline yourself here. It's not that complicated where, you know, just the other day it was reported that uh, players that are overseas need to come back. And so that's like two weeks where they have to quarantine. And then from there, you end up doing two weeks in market uh, to, to have a training camp. You know, now, now it's a month out, so just shy of a month now. So let's call it, you know, late June. Um, then you do two weeks in, uh, in Orlando, another two weeks. So ultimately you're giving teams about a month to get ready. And then, you know, at that point you're talking mid-July, late-July, and you get the games rolling. I probably ask you about this every week, Sam, but do you expect the cooperation between the NBA and the Players Association to continue to be good? Yeah, I do. I mean, no signs of problems there. Um, I think that, you know, some of the concerns that have been highly publicized from the Players Union regarding the possible kind of nature of the medical bubble at a playoff site, uh, site have been, my understanding is, you know, kind of assuaged. And and the Orlando solution seems to check some of those boxes where it's just a, a less compromised environment where it would allow for more freedom for the players, which I know is a concern. So, yeah, so far it, it does still seem like the, uh, the vibe and the tone of those talks is, is pretty positive. Will those players be able to bring family members in? I've read that uh, they've talked about – having some some show up or limited numbers show up uh, and then maybe have more family members come as teams are eliminated through the postseason? I, what do you think, Sam? Yeah, I think it'll probably be a few weeks in. Um, it's not going to be right at the gate. I think they're probably going to want a couple weeks of health, a couple weeks of, you know, of negative tests, uh, a couple weeks to get, you know, everybody's feet underneath them. And then go from there. But I, you know, I thought the whole time that the families would be let in at some point. And honestly, that's and even you know, like the the podcast visit we had with Joe Ingles, where you got a guy like that with you know two kids and one on the way. Um, it, it's stressful for any family. I don't care how much money you make, or if you have a nanny or not. You know, to uh, to to think about leaving for that amount of time. These guys are used to, you know, maybe going to the Olympics for a month. Um, but, but the playoffs inevitably, typically, are going to give you, you know, half your games as home games. And so now having everything be on the road, you know, there was a lot of players, I think, that, that just weren't comfortable leaving their families for that amount of time. Um, but the flip side of that, of course, is that they've got to feel good enough about the environment to trust uh, that they're not putting their families in harm's way at all. So, um, you know, again, those are the talks that are, becoming a real thing right now. I mean, I tweeted something yesterday that got a lot more reaction than I anticipated regarding some agent concern about the disparity in hotel quality in Orlando. And I know it sounds petty and it sounds, you know, like one person called it tone deaf and it's like, listen, I get it. But the reality is for one, these guys are used to a certain level of luxury. And for two, it's just kind of like those type of hierarchy discussions within the NBA are now happening where it's, is LeBron going to get the nicest hotel and at the Walt Disney World, the you know the wide world of sports complex? And if so, you know where's the 15th guy on the on the on the roster staying? I and mean, how do you make all those things happen while uh, keeping everybody within you know hopefully a four or five uh, five block radius so that everybody's healthy and, and they can account for everyone? 
realizing that we were not quite to the playoffs when this whole thing started, Sam, and if you can actually remember way back when, who were you liking as playoff contenders going in, and has that changed at all with this break? <laughs> man, it's hard to, Jake, that's a hard one to, to kind of pull out of the synapses, man. I lost all my perspective there. I mean, it's <laughs> the Jazz were were scuffling a bit, I believe. Um, I mean, they had that big game against OKC where it was the battle of the fifth seeds. You know, the infamous night where Rudy's positive test came back. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I, you know, I was liking the Lakers. I was liking the Bucks. I was liking the Clippers. And none of those teams have had any real substantive developments on their roster. Like the, the most obvious one that's good, that, that is super interesting and unique is like the, the Trailblazers all of a sudden, you know, could have Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins back. You know, and those are the two guys that kind of the absence of those two bigs, you know, kind of killed their whole season. So it's incredible that, you know, I mean, I don't blame Damian Lillard for coming out publicly and saying, you better make sure that we have a shot at the playoffs because, you know, we got a squad now. Now, with the Jazz, you've got uh, the, the Bogdanovich factor, certainly. You know, that's one where it's tough because I don't know exactly when he uh, suffered the injury, but, you know, you look at it now and it's like, that's a guy that they plan on having, and now they won't. And so, um, you know, you go all the way down the line. I mean, the question's about Kevin Durant and whether or not he might return. I, You know, his agent told us that he had no plans of returning. But, but I do think there's going to be a small list of, of impact players like those guys that do come back, and maybe that changes things. But in general, it's, it's a, uh, you know, it's a Bucks lakers clippers race to the finish with, you know, a lot of teams kind of chasing from there. Yeah, it's interesting. This is an extension of Jake's question, really. But aside from the few additions or subtractions to teams, personnel and whatnot, I wonder if just the extended break will have an effect on any of these teams or even any of the teams that you just mentioned as favorites. I wonder if one team will handle that better so that it will ultimately alter who stands above all the rest at the end. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not a uh, a trainer. I'm not a doctor. Apologies, guys. I got you know some on my throat today. But um, I, I, you know, I, I will lean on the perspective that a, a GM from a pretty prominent team shared with me the other day, which is that, you know, his opinion was that, you know, it's good to have good, you know, habits during this down period. But the reality, in his opinion, was that once you get to the training camp and once you get to you know the entire month of work leading into games, that there's going to be an equalizing effect of that period that's going to cut through all of the stuff that happens now. Now, within that, you might have a handful of players that we wonder about. Like, you know, the, honestly, the two guys that I find so interesting are Zion Williamson and Luka Doncic, where it's like, First of all, the NBA would love if both those guys were in the playoffs. You know, Lucas' team has certainly, you know, got a great spot there in the, in the seventh spot and, and, and will be in the playoffs. But Zion is chasing the Grizzlies. They're three and a half back of Memphis. But in terms of health, you know, Zion has been known to get very big. And then Luca also has had kind of questionable eating habits and, and workout routines in the past. At least that's been the book on him. And so, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw – somebody come back 
not looking great. You know, Nikola Jokic is another one in Denver. I think he went back to Serbia and you know, I believe he's been back there for most of the time. And, um, you know, those teams, especially a guy like Jokic, where he's the fulcrum of what they do, he's an MVP candidate. You know, certainly the Nuggets are hoping that he's been maintaining his body. You know, how wild a factor is that, Sam, in analyzing what, what could potentially happen in the playoffs? It's such a, such a wild card where you were able to shelter in place, essentially affecting how you're able to perform. I, I saw, uh, and who knows if it was doctored or not, but I saw a picture of James Harden that was going around where he's super right. thin, you know? And so right. Right. it's a wild factor to this whole thing that we have no idea what kind of shape uh, some of these guys are going to come back in. It's, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we had a good piece on our website. Our Rocket speed writer, uh, Kelly Yuko, wrote about James training, you know, near his alma mater, uh, you know, ASU. He was in Tempe, and he's working out. He's got his trainer. He's got his buddies. And he seemed like he was really putting the work in. And, you know, that's the thing. Is I haven't heard any horror stories, but I just feel like, based on the odds alone, um, you know, common sense would dictate that not everybody's been great, you know. Um, I mean, I can even far be it for me to ever compare any of us to these professional athletes. But even from like an old guy, middle-aged, you know, maintenance standpoint, like it's been tough being stuck at home, and you have to change your routine. And the gyms are closed, and and if you don't have home equipment, you know, then you you put on a couple of pounds, and and you don't work out the sweat like you normally do. And that's what, for me, was so surreal about covering some of you guys during this process was you would hear stories that were way more relatable to your life than you ever could have imagined in terms of kind of the the struggles that you're talking about. I, I do actually think that's been a very real thing for players. Sam, you mentioned some of the uh, star NBA players who live all over the globe when 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 the call happens to have everyone come back and and, and congregate uh, wherever they're going to be training, do those guys fly private planes or do they would they probably fly regular airlines? I'm kind of guessing here, flying blind, no pun intended. I guess pun intended, but um, I would think it would be commercial. I don't think you'd be talking about a a chartered flight from an international location. Sam Amick with us from The Athletic, your daily assist each and every Thursday. Sam, we can't thank you enough for jumping on with us, and hopefully next week at this time we're talking about some firm plans. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Sam. Sam Amick uh, from The Athletic, one of our absolute favorites, uh, no doubt about it. And uh, Gordon, he's he's been optimistic throughout most of this whole thing, and, uh, you know, you heard him there. It, It looks like you can plan on those playoffs at very least. Yep, that's what he's uh, saying. Question for you, Jake: If you were, if you had, uh, if you were making twenty-five million dollars a year, and you lived to say in, I don't know, pick a pick a foreign country somewhere, Latvia. <laughs> okay, you live in Latvia. Would you arrange for a private jet if you had to come back over to uh, an NBA city, or would you jump on a commercial airliner? If money were no option? Well, I mean, yeah. Let's say some of these guys are real stars. They've made a lot of money. Money isn't a huge concern for them. Uh, I mean, if you have the means to, uh, that uh, that doesn't uh, give you the pinch financially, I don't know why anybody would fly commercial. 
It's not like you're doing it to enjoy the experience. So you would just uh, have the uh, the G6 or something and uh, fire that thing up and jump aboard? Well, if I owned my own jet, why would I even consider flying commercially? <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm not saying that all these guys own their own jets, but they may have access to a private jet. Well, then if you have access to a private jet, you use it. I don't understand the controversy of your question here. It's not a controversial question. I'm just saying, which would you, which would you, would you pay the extra money to fly privately? I mean, if if somebody came up to me and said, hey, I've got some wonderful filet mignon here. Would you like this or would you like this (laughs) shoe leather round steak? I mean, I'm I'm taking the I'm taking the fillet. Yeah, but if if money's it's going to no, cost you more. But well, money's it, no it, issue. It, well, it's not an issue, but uh, never mind. I tried to create a, a a scenario where yes, you have you can afford to fly privately, but you don't have to. I remember getting on a on a, on a commercial flight once, and and Gordon Hayward was on it, and uh, he was flying coach. Wasn't even in first class. Wasn't he the one who also uh, drove a Honda Accord throughout like the first five years of his career? There, there was a layup joke there. Gordon Hayward doesn't do a lot of things first class, but I let that one. Oh, that, oh I see. Wow. Daddy's always happy. Uh, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. Don't forget David Locke joins us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. The Not Sports Report at 4.50. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Daddy's always happy. So put your hands together and please welcome. This is Utah's best sports radio. You're listening to the big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is a great song. Want to remind you about our friends at RGS Exteriors. They will improve the curb appeal for your house with James Hardy Brickstone and Stucco Exteriors, along with soffit fascia and rain gutters. Check them out at rgsutahsiding.com. Gordon, uh, enjoyed your column today. It was posted a couple hours ago up at sltrip.com. I'm assuming that means it will be in the actual paper coming up tomorrow. But tell us a little bit about this uh, this story you told. It's a story about a man who... uh uh, who lives in Utah, has lived here for what, uh, about 26 years now. But he uh, is originally from Illinois, and he was uh, he was offered he, he thought he was going to be offered a job as a sports information director for the University of Evansville at the same time that Jerry Sloan had accepted the Evansville basketball head coach position at the school, which happens to be Jerry's alma mater, where he was uh, he he won two Division two national championships there before he went to the NBA, and after his NBA career, he was offered that head coaching position there, and he accepted it. Uh, meanwhile, this other Utah man was waiting. The, the athletic director told him, uh, you're going to get this job unless 
this other person who has already been offered it accepts it. But that person was uh, already the sports information director at Purdue. So they didn't think that he would accept the job because going from Purdue, a Big Ten school, to Evansville was uh, unlikely. As it turned out, he surprised everybody by accepting the position so that uh, this uh, gentleman here in Utah was turned down. Uh, he, he lost the job that he would have accepted otherwise. Well, as fate would have it, uh, that he would have been aboard the same plane that Jerry would have been aboard with the basketball team that tragically crashed on December 13th, 1977, and everybody on board was killed. And so this man's story, I told this man's story about how they, both he and Jerry, very well could have and maybe should have been on that, on that plane uh, that crashed and how they weren't. And so Jerry went on to his Hall of Fame coaching career with the Jazz, and and he went on to a great career, had a, as a family, and accomplished a lot of terrific things uh, in the meantime or after, after the tragedy hit. So I just tell that story and tell the story of that Evansville basketball team and some of the uh, really – tragic parts to uh to that story it was it was pretty heart-wrenching when i found out about all that stuff you know I heard he lives but he lives here in sandy so and he said he never met jerry never talked to jerry about it he wanted to but he never had the occasion to do so how do i i i know the the plane crash story um and we can talk about what an effect it had on jerry because it, it really did but uh how did you find this uh the larry kaplan how did, how did yeah, you find Larry? Larry Kaplan is his name. He uh, he sent me an email. Wow, that's a great and, story. Yeah, not a great I, story. Sorry, I, no, I don't no, mean no. to be insensitive, yeah. but that that uh, that's a very interesting connection and an interesting story because that event had a huge impact on Jerry Sloan's life. And I heard uh, David James, I think, talking about this a little bit last week. Um, that you know this uh, getting fired by the Bulls, uh, the the passing of his wife Bobby, they were these real significant events that that had an impact on on him, and you could tell because he would talk about them. Maybe not the the plane crash as much, but he he shared the impact that those events had on his life. Well, Larry said that uh, he had seen that Jerry had talked a lot about it and had said how it affected him. He thought about it darn near every day. And that it brought perspective to his life. You know, Jerry, here Jerry is coaching the Jazz to two NBA Finals appearances, and they lose those those in those finals. And uh, and yet Jerry had the perspective to think about. Wait a second, no matter how this turns out, I'm fortunate to be here. And that's the effect that it had on Larry as well as he went through his life thinking about. He, he essentially was uh, experiencing things that he very well could not have experienced or wouldn't have experienced had uh, had things gone the way they were planned to go. And uh, obviously, since Jerry accepted that job, and I never found out from Jerry, I, I don't think I ever asked him what his personal reasons were for not going back to Evansville to coach that team after he had accepted the job. But that just sends chills up your spine, doesn't it? When you think about those two men, uh, both of whom, each of whom was from Illinois, 
and each of whom settled in Utah and lived a good portion of their lives here, uh, fate steered them a different way than boarding that flight that day, and it saved their lives. You know, similar story to this, but I've always wondered... Uh, wouldn't you, uh, do you have you do you know who Tommy Alsop is? I've heard that name. He's the one who lost the coin toss to Richie Valens. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you ever? I mean, how could an event like that not have such a dramatic impact on on your life? I always, you, you know, he he was a musician throughout his entire career, but not a not a famous one. And I I always wondered. Uh, how much or what an impact that or what it would feel like to be that right I mean something you know with this uh, with Coach Sloan and the the airplane you know it wasn't quite at that moment like it would have been with Tommy and Richie Valens but how could that not absolutely impact and direct uh, the way you ri- live the rest of your life and and maybe it does make you appreciate the moment more and that's something that we've heard about Jerry uh, as well as we've you know honored and and uh, remembered his career Yes, uh, to everything you said. It's, there's a memorial on the University of Evansville campus, and it, it's this kind of a steel basketball-looking thing, and uh, there's, a, there's water that splashes around it, and it's called the Weeping Basketball Memorial, hmm. uh, honoring all those people connected with the uh, basketball program, 24 of them. Of the 29 were connected uh, to the basketball program directly who lost their lives. And uh, just to show you how strange life can be sometimes, there was one player on the team who survived the flight because he never got on the plane. One player, 18-year-old David Furr was his name. He was recovering from a, from an, a severe ankle uh, sprain. Uh, where he twisted the ligaments, and so he did not go on that trip. And uh, so his life was spared, except that he was in a car crash two weeks later and died. Wow. Hmm. And somebody back in Evansville, some writer uh, made, or someone from the university said, well, I guess God needed a full basketball squad. But uh, people do whatever they need to do to make sense of things sometimes. And the one guy who survived because he didn't get on the plane, are you kidding me, is killed two weeks later in a crash? Mm. Uh, just, but one thing that Larry said to me, uh, a, a quote he gave me, that I think is, is, is applicable for a lot of us to think about sometimes. He said that... Uh, uh, this is the quote. He said, some people dwell on the things they wish they could have that could have happened in their lives. Uh, but for what didn't happen in ours, meaning his and Jerry's, that's what opened our paths to fulfilling lives. Hmm. Wow. You know, that would that would stay with you, Jake. Yeah. Pretty that powerful would stay stuff. with you. Yep. And maybe maybe we all should think about that and remember what's most important. All right, we'll have uh, more Big Show coming up next. We've got the Not Sports Report, of course. We've got David Locke joining us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Busy day. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show. 
Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to Missouri, and we're going to Kansas. Missouri okay, and Kansas, neighbors. Yes, uh, two different uh, two different stories here. The first one is about a 37-year-old man who pleaded guilty uh, to a felony count of possession of a controlled substance uh, as he was driving. They found, uh, let's see, they found 837 and a half grams of marijuana on him, 9.3 grams of methamphetamine and drug paraphernalia and a couple of counterfeit bills. Oh, and a stolen firearm as well. Okay. What is unique about this? Well, that's pretty unique. Hopefully it's unique. I hope that's not an everyday thing. But the man's name is Benjamin Dover. Or, as he goes, by Ben Dover. I, I'm, I'm speechless. I, I'm, I'm not angry per se. I'm just disappointed. Is this even real? There's no way. Or is it's this real. From, is this from a Simpsons episode? Right. No, Benjamin J. Dover. Ben Dover. Is your refrigerator running? <laughs> Better go catch it. Seriously, this is this is Bart Simpson prank calling. Mom. How do you spell I cup? <laughs> that's that's what's going on. Can I speak to Dover, I please? I hate the not sports report. First name Ben. <laughs> this is not tr- real. This it is, is real. not real. And I, Benjamin I'm, J. Dover, thirty-seven uh, years old. Ben Dover. That's, that's okay. My stop saying name. it. My my disappointment <laughs> is evolving into anger. Yeah, this this is <laughs> ridiculous. Well, and, and by the true. way, you're the one who who always holds the standard of when it's newsworthy. This is not newsworthy. His name is Ben Dover. That is not newsworthy. Uh, I think it's unique. All right, and then there's this story out of Kansas. Someone named Appa- Seymour Butts, maybe? Is that what this one No, about, apparently or? there's a man there. His name is Chad. And he, uh, <laughs> in 2013, he bought his dream car. For Everybody has a, what's your dream car, Jake? Uh, 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 what are, what are, were those wonderful cars that uh, were like cars with a truck bed? What were those? The uh, the the L El Camino. Camino. Yeah, I'd, I'd like an El Camino. <laughs> yeah, all right, Austin, yours. Sixty six Corvette Stingray. Ah, all right. Well, this this his dream or a car Gremlin was a sixty four Chevy Impala for some reason. That's a nice car. So he got that, but he decided to get an antique plate to match the car. So he did that, and then. Later on, as the years went by, he started getting bills for unpaid violations for uh, toll roads and whatnot. And he's going, what's going on here? And he found out, he did some investigating, and he found out that Kansas issues duplicate plates to different twin plates uh, to to. A couple of different drivers. So, in other words, if you have a license plate of a certain ilk in Kansas, there might be somebody else driving that same exact license plate. It's not like a fingerprint. Yours isn't unique to you in this particular state. 
In fact, they say in the story that up to 14 different people can have the same license plate that you do. Seems like it would cause any number of problems, right? And also seems like it defeats the purpose a little bit, no? Yes, that's what I thought. It's ridiculous. What, does that case, apply to vanity plates? Uh, it's a certain kind of it's a specialty plate. Uh, but anyway, they said that some 600,000 people in Kansas have have license plates that somebody else has as well. And I thought, you know, okay, it's one thing if you get, and this is a hassle for Chad because he, he keeps getting these bills. He got a bill from uh, uh, a Rhode Island Turnpike Authority. He's never even been to Rhode Island in his life for $52. It wasn't him. It was somebody else. So it's frustrating, but you would think in more serious cases, uh, there would be, you know, if, if it's a mistaken identity of some sort and a crime committed or whatnot, it could get really messy. How many, um, how many uh, letters or numbers are you allowed in a vanity license plate? Any, anybody, any idea? Because I was just thinking of, of, how, of what, we, what Gordon could do for his next vanity plate. And this is what I came up with. H-W-U- H N G N O N. You get seven. Oh, this is nine. Do you get seven in Utah? It says uh, personalized plates FAQ Utah DMV says the number of characters you can use on a personalized plate depends on the type of license plate you select. Standard license plate up to seven, with well. the exception to the In God We Trust plate, which may only have up to five characters. But anyway, what I what I put together for you was how you hanging on. I was trying to get that short enough. Oh, I th- nice. I, I think that would be a good... What would be a good vanity plate for Gordon? I know you had the the uh, ex- extremely conceited three-pointers or whatever. You, you Three points. That was a California plate, which was quite an accomplishment because there's a... You know, I mean, those plates are in high demand in California. It's tough to get the one you want, but I managed to do that. And I, my other license plate simultaneously was Airball. Just to counter the three points. See, I was being... What a waste see, of money. So what, what would what would be good today, though? What, what would be good for Gordon? <laughs> I don't know. You tell today. me. So, if, so you could do H-N-G-N on. That's, that's enough, right? Hanging on. Hanging on. <laughs> it doesn't quite have the, the ring as how you How about just on. Chester? How many are in that? No, that's too many. No, that's, uh, that's seven. seven. That's yeah, right on Chester. the money. Yeah. Or sea shadows. <laughs> or just shadows. I kind of like that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, How about brother. one upper? Number one and then upper. That's good. See, it's so misunderstood because I've never one up to anyone. Uh-huh. All I'm doing is contributing to the conversation. Did I ever tell you the time I had an eye patch, Jake? Because <laughs> I was helping my parents in the garden. And we were, we're shaking sh- the tomato cages loose, and a piece of rust fell in my eye, and they had to take me to the hospital, and I had to wear an eye patch for a week. Did I ever tell you that time? Uh, I do. I remember that. Yeah, and then I remember Gordon immediately one-upping that story. That's not well, an uh, eye patch well, story. In, in this my, is my, an eye patch that's story. That's not what I said. Mine Kinda. came from a, a, a lens, a glasses lens that cracked, and the the, the particles See, of the lens went even, in my eye. Even in repeating this See, story, you, you couldn't withhold not, yeah, from telling not, yours. It's yep. not one-upping. It's you. We have something in common. That's a good story. I don't think I can top that. Man, you guys <laughs> are really insecure. I just we know, are. Just, 
I'm just I'm just contributing to the conversation. You say something happened to you, and by golly, something similar happened to me that I am sharing with you. <laughs> well, it's been... not a matter of my story being better than yours. It's just a matter of hey. I- that one too. We even got a tweet here from uh, Dave Sloma Lockton earlier in the show that said, Gordon Monson, I interviewed Jerry Sloan in 94. When we were talking about Locke's interview in 95, <laughs> that's true. That did happen. That yeah, did happen. Well, hey, hey, hey. I interviewed him in 94. <laughs> yeah, I'm learning a lot about Dave Lockton and the two of you that, that you. You can't handle participation. So the plate is one upper. One upper, so no, that's the one. It's not one upper. Come on. I'm, I'm never going to do that. If you did something that was sort of self-deprecation on my part, I would be willing to do that. But that's just not true. <laughs> what if that's we, not what I do. What can we do that would involve this one? Parking stall lines are merely suggestions. <laughs> what, what, how could you how shorten could you? that? How about, how about this? How about just nice car? Ooh. Or dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign car. Oh, please stop it. There's no reason to do that because there are a lot of people in this state that have nicer cars. I have a nice car. Yes, officer, uh, I, I see the <laughs> car in front of me. It's really nice. In fact, the plate says. The plate says dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, C-A-R. I think you guys should get the nice car. Austin should get insecure and take the E off the end, you know, because that would be eight letters. Insecure? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I have a quick uh, quick question. What costs more, the floor mat in Gordon's car or Austin's car? That's easy. <laughs> Come on. That's, Which car are we talking about at Gordon's uh, place here? You're full of it. That's not true. I'll That's bet I could true. find proof of it. No. My my car I drove here today, its current value versus the floor mat. Uh, okay, well we won't go with floor <laughs> I, mat. Gordon, let's, you don't want that bet. Let, let's go with let's go with rims. Gordon's rims. That's easy too. And uh, and Austin's car. Now not not my Subaru. We're talking about the other one. We're talking about the clunker. Yeah. Which clunker. set of which set of rims are you talking about on my part? Oh, <laughs> does that matter? The pearl ones. The, the leather ones football. like Tracy McGrady had. I don't know. Uh, Who was the former NBA player who had the spinning rims? Who, who, who Latrell, came up with that? I think it was, was Latrell Sprewell, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. How about well, just L.A. Times on his license plate? Yep. The Times. <laughs> I can hear you trying not to laugh. No, I'm just sitting here going, <laughs> why, do you do why do you do that? I worked at the LA Times. What am I supposed to do? Say, make up some other place I worked at? You need to pull that I work for the I LA Times right there. <laughs> You're going to hear you that one again. You guys know I have a baseball hat that says LA Times. Oh, I'm sure you do. Do you keep it in a like plastic enclosed enclosure? No, they they kind of gave thing? it to they gave it to all of us. All right, stay tuned. David Locke is going to join <laughs> the show coming up next. <laughs> One up this. Did you did you know that uh, David uh, interviewed Jerry in '95? Just posted it. <laughs> Probably one of the first to do an interview like that with Jerry, I would guess. <laughs> All right, we're looking forward to talking to David next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.